Up next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Are you getting enough CBD each day? Hemp Meds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. Hemp Meds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids. By the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24/7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com. And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and very happy to be here. More than 80 years ago, a visionary entrepreneur once asked, why use up the forests, which were centuries in the making, or the mines, which required ages to lay down, if we can get the equivalent of forest and mineral products in the annual growth of the hemp fields? Can you guess who said it? Well, here's a clue. This young entrepreneur set out to put into practice as he preached. Before long, he had used raw material grown on his own farm to create a sturdy shape that encased his masterpiece of technology and used leftover organic waste to make the fuel that powered it to life. That ingenious invention has since transformed the way we travel, work, and live. So who was this inventor and what was his invention? Well, if you guessed Henry Ford, you're right. And his invention, the Model T. In December 1941, Popular Mechanics magazine reported that the Ford Motor Company had completed 12 years of research and had assembled a prototype plastic body car made from 70% fiber and 30% resin made from soy and hemp that came straight from his farm. The plastic panels could withstand a blow 10 times greater than steel without denting. The car weighed 1,000 pounds less, which made it much more fuel efficient. When Henry Anslinger successfully banned hemp in a congressional move concocted to benefit a handful of tycoons like Hearst, DuPont, and Rockefeller, fuel and composites, once made of hemp, became a thing of the past. Oil, trees, and other fossil fuels took the place of hemp and again transformed the way we work and live. Fast forward another 50 years. The environmental movement ushered in a new wave of innovators seeking more sustainable biomass to produce leaner energy and plastics. Canadian auto manufacturer Motive Industries recently revealed their design of their hemp-bodied Kestrel. In 2008, more than 25% of the composite materials used in the Lotus Eco Elise supercar prototype were made of hemp. Due to its strength, agility, and minimal weight, supercar manufacturers began to follow suit, putting together more hemp composite cars. Honoring its founder's legacy, the Ford Motor Company reintroduced hemp features into its 2011 Ford Explorer. With all of that progress, unfortunately, the novelty of hemp composites has been rather short-lived, perhaps because they appeared before the public was ready to embrace them. That's changing now that the general public is becoming more and more accepting of the virtues of hemp. And today, we're going to meet another visionary innovator who set out to pick up where Mr. Ford left off by creating a car body made entirely of hemp. 
He'll be joined by a talented filmmaker who has documented his journey. But first, Dr. Brian Donner has our Medical Marijuana Minute. What do you have for us today, Dr. Donner? Thanks, Snowden. I practice clinically in Pennsylvania where medical marijuana is obviously relatively new. I get a number of questions from my patients every day, but one of the ones I hear most frequently is, what should I do if my doctor doesn't believe in medical marijuana? My first response to this question is to explain why doctors are are reluctant to recommend or even talk about it in some cases. The first main reason, I think, really has to do with the fact that medical cannabis or marijuana is still considered a Schedule One controlled substance by the DEA. This means essentially that they consider it to have no medical utility at all, and it's obviously thus federally illegal. This holds true even in states that have a medical cannabis program. It's very important for doctors to understand that they are not at risk for losing their DEA license whenever they do certify or recommend for medical cannabis. That distinction between prescribing versus recommendation and certification is very important. Another important reason may have to do with the fact that most doctors really are not provided with a baseline knowledge or understanding about marijuana and how the effects it has on the human body. Most medical schools don't teach it, and we do not have any mandated physician education that we are provided with. Being able to understand the science behind medical cannabis is imperative. Last but definitely not least, there's obviously some social and political baggage that goes with marijuana. There's been a cultural stigma for a long time, and this is obviously hard to overcome, especially for those who aren't aware of the emergent science behind the movement. The best advice I can offer to patients whose doctors don't see the value of medical marijuana is present them with some evidence that medical marijuana is safe and effective. Science is something that most doctors respond to well and that we can use as a tool. A great place to start is somewhere like PubMeds.gov, which is a national database that's maintained by the National Institutes of Health. A quick search there with the keyword marijuana will reveal more than 24,000 clinical studies and peer-reviewed articles that are available for their review. The best advice that I can give to doctors is to become educated about medical marijuana now and before they advise patients for or against it. As providers, we have an obligation to understand all the treatment options that are available to our patients, and this includes medical marijuana. It's only a matter of time before federal law will catch up with patient demand. Doctors who learn about medical cannabis now will be ahead of the curve, and that's so important because their patients expect and need their guidance and input on this issue. I'm Dr. Brian Donner for the Cannabis Reporter. I'll be back again next week with another Medical Marijuana Minute. Thanks, Snowden. Back to you. Thank you, Dr. Donner. I look forward to next week's Medical Marijuana Minute. So let's get started. I am excited to introduce our guests. First, Diana Oliver is a producer and filmmaker whose quest in life has been to educate, inspire, and inform and entertain audiences on the amazing hemp plant. As owner of Thunderbird Productions, film and entertainment company, her far-reaching vision to bring more hemp awareness into the public eye inspired her production of a groundbreaking documentary series called Hempsters. She was doing this in partnership with Bruce Michael Dietzen, founder of Renew Sports Cars and creator of the cannabis car that we mentioned earlier. Diana, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm very honored and very excited. I really do love your work and love your format. Everything about Cannabis Reporter, it's it's groundbreaking as well, so thank you. Thank you so much. That really feels good to hear. Oh, well, thanks for being here. And Bruce, uh, Bruce Dietzen was a national sales manager at Dell when he be- began collecting classic sports cars. After moving to Key West, his interests expanded toward ecology, which led him to investigate Henry Ford's 1941 cannabis-bodied, cannabis-fueled sedan. After discovering... That prototype by Ford, designed over 74 years ago, it was twice as green as today's electric vehicles. And he was inspired to design a modern, sexier cannabis car that is even greener than the original Ford. Today, he advocates making cannabis legal and gasoline illegal. And as president of Renew Sports Cars, he envisions all cars being carbon negative by the year 2025. Bruce, thank you so much for being here. That's quite an ambitious uh, calling you have there. (laughs) Thank you, Snowden. Pleasure to be on your show. You know, I've been so impressed. I've been following your progress over the last year uh, when I first heard about you. And, you know, I've been trying to figure out when I was going to get you in. And I'm so glad that I did, um, both of you, actually. 
and I just want to hear, um, Bruce, how is it going with this car? And do you foresee this being mass produced sometime in the near future? Well, it's going great. Um, we've gotten a lot of visibility lately. Um, we were on the Jay Leno show just a few weeks ago. <clears throat> that made a big difference. Um, just getting a, a lot of people that are inquiring about the car and this sort of thing. Um, we're not uh, at the stage that we're at right now with this car, uh, given that I'm not a major uh, uh, car company or a uh, multimillionaire, we're just we're just going to be producing these these cars by hand, you know, on an on-demand basis. Um, so I'm really pleased with the, the the kind of demand we've been getting, especially over the last couple of weeks. Uh, are we going to go to the point of making uh, mass massive quantities of these particular cars? We'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so whatever it, happens. It, rock and roll. It seems as though it would just be a matter of the major auto manufacturers. Uh, sort of taking a keen look at this because I mean certainly it, it could inspire a movement toward getting away from plastics and using the more renewable substances found in in cannabis and hemp particularly to do this and Diana tell me how you and Bruce got together and how you decided to do this documentary series well, um, my actually, my first film is Hempsters Plant the Seed. So that was a 14-year journey from 96 with Woody Harrelson, Willie Nelson, and Merle Haggard. So this is actually my 20th year um, documenting the industrial hemp movement and the, the major players. And I myself heard about Bruce. My, I decided after Hempsters Plant the Seed was released um, in 2011. It's uh, released through Cinema Libre. In Los Angeles, we were very thrilled to get a distribution deal because people, uh, less than 1% of filmmakers get them, and we're on all digital formats. And it opened the door for my second film in the series, which I was going to interview Bruce and found out about his hemp car because I actually know Nathan Armstrong and Motive Industries. I have been following them for years. And, uh, and, and so I have a, an opinion about these mass cars, too. Bruce and I joined forces in the fall of 2015. I was going to do it, feature him in my second documentary, which is Hempsters and American Revolution, which is solely focused on products. So I followed the fight for 14 years with Woody, Willie, Merle, and Craig Lee, and Julia Butterfly Hill, and all the players, Alex White Plume. So now... Now, in order to educate people, I wanted to feature the hemp entrepreneurs that were making their products. And I heard about Bruce, and like you, and I tried to get to him, and then he was busy, uh, and I lost this funding deal. And it was literally the hand of God because he calls me up and says, look, uh, I just got booked on the marijuana show, and let's do this together. And I said, brilliant idea. So I pulled him out of basically what was originally going to be a feature story and Bruce and I joined forces and our show is actually called Hempsters Cannabis Car Sustainability Tour and for short we call it the Hempsters Cannabis Car Tour. So we took off together and uh, he was on the marijuana show and I called the Denver Post and uh, the producers of the marijuana show, um, that's Wendy and Karen. They uh, they didn't have press because they were filming their show, and I was filming Bruce being in their show. So I called the press. They wrote a great story, and that story morphed, and we were um, we were on it on the tour from from there. That was last year, and we uh, followed Willie Nelson's tour, and uh, that was very gracious of Willie. We parked in front of Farm Aid, and. And now uh, we got Jay Leno. I actually submitted him in December for Jay Leno, and we got the call, or Bruce did, uh, January. They were going to originally do a little blurb, sort of a cannabis joke about him. And I said, well, hold on a moment, because Bruce is the hero in the hemp industrial hemp world for making this car and putting all his retirement money in. He spent years his 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 background story is pretty incredible bruce and what he sacrificed to make this car which we consider to be a messenger and there's no better messenger because she's beautiful sexy convertible cherry red and and uh, we have a lot of exciting things coming up so yeah oh. we've been on the tour together now going into our second year and 
We've got a collaboration upcoming with some other filmmakers, and we're about six episodes in of a 10-episode delivery for season one. So we're going to shoot for the a couple. We're going to Farm Aid, and now Willie will be driving the car and his son, Micah Nelson. So that's what oh, we're that's doing. Fan- that's fantastic. I actually will be interviewing Micah next week. On, oh my gosh, on this show, so him. that's exciting. I'll, I'll actually mention this uh, if you don't mind to him when I'm talking to him. I have uh, a, a U.S. congressman who introduced the recent hemp bill. Uh, James Comer is going to be coming on with um, uh, with Micah uh, to talk about. Um, Micah has been very impressive picking up the sword. Uh, his Willie Nelson is, you know, in my first film. That's back in '96. Woody wow. and Willie. I mean, they risk they risk their celebrityness. And Michael Bowman is actually the one facilitating having Micah in the car and and Willie. Uh, so Michael Bowman is someone. He's the executive director of the National Hemp Association. So if you want someone on, you should put Bruce and Michael Bowman on together because I filmed them. And I mean, those two are such have such brilliant minds. Bruce's mind. It's not just about this car. It, He's uh, very educated on the environment and what these cars can actually do uh, for the environment. Yeah, and I read that about you, Bruce, and it is actually quite impressive, uh, your vision for the future. You know, the reason I became interested in cannabis to start with was I researched for an article that I wrote in 2010 for a publication that I was editor of called AZ Green Magazine. And when I started reading about it, I, I never really knew much about marijuana or, or the cannabis movement or anything else. But I became so astonished by the sustainable um, potential that's in the hemp plant and in cannabis in general. And so, yeah. I mean, to read about what you were um, inspired by was, it was very close to home for me. So tell me other ways that, that this impacted you. Well, you know, in the cannabis space, there's, there's really uh, two things that people usually talk about. It's either the recreational or the medical, right? Um, but the place where, where I'm focused in on, uh, and, and people like Diana as well, and many other, and many other folks, uh, is the eco cannabis side of things, um, and it's not just because you, you get this focus on hey, we really got to use cannabis because it's you know it's cannabis hemp you know it's but it turns out that it, it, that cannabis hemp happens to be uh, about the most useful plant on the planet for ecological purposes, um, and so here we are in a day and age um, where the leading climatologists are saying that uh, just cutting our addiction to to fossil fuels just cutting our addiction to fossil fuels isn't going to be enough to turn things around with the climate crisis this looming climate crisis we also have to find ways to take co2 and methane out of the atmosphere <clears throat> and so there's there's all sorts of universities are popping up with all these studies etc and large companies um that are um very focused on on this mission as well there are a few of them but some of, some of them like Virgin, um, they're out there trying to figure out how can we turn around this ec- uh, ecological problem that we have and actually figure out how to take CO2 out of the atmosphere. And one of the ways we're going to do that and it, it, it is to make things that we need out of plant material, which plants take CO2 out of the atmosphere, right? Or mm-hmm. mechanical ways and, and doing uh, extractions, mechanical extractions and um uh, of CO2 out of the atmosphere. And it's just a, a it's a brand new field of adventure um, right now. And there's got to be a lot more people that are going to be focused on this. How do we uh, take CO2 out of the atmosphere? One of the ways we're going to do it is to turn, is to, is to make everything we need, uh, as, as many things as we can possibly make, out of CO2 and out of methane and this sort of thing. And so um, Henry Ford basically had the general idea back in 1941 to use plants. Um, there are other newer ways to do that, too, but uh, plants are a perfect way to do it. Um, we're going to figure out how to do it uh, with more things. It's not just automobiles. It's homes. Uh, it's our clothing. Um, it's just about everything you see around you. You know, like the car, go back to the car as an example, Snowden. Yeah. You know, 25% of an automobile 
is made out of petroleum plastic. Can you believe it? You know, right? It's unbelievable. It's, I mean, it's just made out of oil. Runs on oil. It's made out of oil. Everything around us, you know, the polyester clothes that we make, uh, that we wear, right? Um, made out of oil. Uh, our medicines are made out of oil. We've just been brainwashed for the last 125 years just to use oil for everything. And, and well, it's just, and we could be using something like hemp, yeah, and, um, and, which is a renewable resource. And it just, you know, you use it, it, you, it grows, recycles. Uh, you're not taking any new CO2 out from underneath the soil. You're just recycling it all the time. It's a, it's a natural, natural way to live. Yeah, well, you know what, and even even paper, you know, and, and just about yeah. everything that can be made out of, out of fossil <coughs> fuels, uh, some version of it can be made using hemp stock, hemp pulp, hemp. Uh, exactly. Cellulose, um, derivatives. <laughs> you know, it, it yeah. really is pretty astonishing. And I, I've always, ever since I learned about hemp, I, I believed that it is key to a carbon neutral future. And not only that, but it, it has potential to remediate brown fields. It grows without any, any pesticides, herbicides, or fungicides. And you can actually make pesticide out of hemp tea and I mean it's just really astonishing to me if I wanted to um, ask you real quick about the marijuana show because um, I've met both uh, Karen and Wendy and you know I was really impressed with what they're doing it's sort of a, a shark tank for those who've never seen the marijuana show yes. it's, it's there like those two women are powerhouses of incredible fourth the foresight to create the show that was the Bruce was on the se second season and I had followed them from season one. They raised a million dollars in, um, in sponsorship money for season one, the season Bruce was on $13 million. Season three is going to be triple that. And these women risk everything had the foresight. They're such awesome women too. Aren't they Bruce? They, yep. they've been great mentors to, to me and to him and, and uh, they're just incredible human beings. They're they're very generous. They they help. They're not only are they have this show as a platform for people raising money to change their lives. That they're doing a lot of things behind the scenes for the people that maybe not, don't win. And uh, and in fact, Bruce, you know, uh, that's one of the reasons why I was able to raise the money that we needed to go on our film tour and shoot Bruce across Bruce from. Key West to to Denver, where he shot his season. I mean, his episode, and then from Denver to um, Farm Aid, which was in um, Chicago, and then Chicago to the hemp fields of Kentucky, where Bruce did an homage to Woody Harrelson's hemp planting in '96, and then back to Key West. So, I'll let you uh, answer what you think about the ladies, Bruce. I think you summed it up. Yes, they're pretty incredible. Did anything come of it? Because I know that a lot of the the purpose of their show is to introduce people to investors who um, might be interested in in putting money into certain projects that are pitched on the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they did not give me an investment, um, and uh, um, it didn't really surprise me, quite frankly. It, it was just a, uh, the the main thing that the investors were looking for were the the quick hit. Right. Um, everybody's investing in dispensaries and and grow lights and all this kind of stuff at the time. Um, and uh, uh, developing an automobile is a little bit longer uh, type of investment cycle. So um, I was kind of like the uh, kind of the strange cat in the crowd. <laughs> Everybody yeah. else was 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 pitching something that was a lot easier, a shorter term type of investment. And, uh, you know, uh, so it really didn't but surprise me. But it was, but, it was great exposure. But he was, was really we neat. were the winners. I'm sorry, Bruce. We were the winners, huh? uh, Snowden. We were the winners because that's where we got the press from Denver Post Online. Right. And the Denver right. Post Online video from that I used to morph into a uh, – Bruce has over how many? I can't even count. He's getting about 20 articles a day since Jay Leno. So he's got over 300-plus press links in a year and a half on his website. Wow. That's yeah, I pretty impressive. We were out there and, yeah, when we were filming it with, with Wendy, she, she grabbed me aside because Fox News and 
ABC, I think, showed up with her film crews and all this and stuff, and she kind of grabbed me, and she kind of jokingly just going like, you're getting more press than I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was kind of funny. And, yeah. and we actually, we jealous. actually did. <laughs> Yeah. So in in 1996, when you uh, when you filmed um, Woody Harrelson about the hemp planting, um, was uh, was David Bronner there by any chance? Do you uh, no the David Bronner DEA planting that uh, that we we put that in the front of the film that actually happened many years later. I'll tell you the story of Hempsters plant the seed real quick. Um, it, it was literally a miracle that that film uh, was made and 14 years, I guess, Michael Henning and I and our team are the longest running filmmakers to document. Uh, uh, there's been a few people, incredible filmmakers that have had a 20 years, they f- film movement. That was 14 years. Uh, and and I, it seems like the blink of an eye now, but uh, the movement's still going on. And with Bruce, I've picked up the sword and we're actually have so 10 times more momentum as far as press. But what Woody Harrelson did in June of 96, uh, he risked his celebrityness, everything. He was, he staged a hemp planting protest. CNN actually captured that. And, um, I was sitting at my desk one week at Media World Television and I was looking for an environmental project and I'm a, my main component that has driven me for my 20 years to fight for industrial hemp is deforestation. I've, I'm pretty obsessed with it, um, where the, uh, the trees are literally the lungs of the earth and the old growth forest in Northern California where I'm born, I grew up uh, walking in these Cathedral of the Giants and uh, going there for family trips when I was very little. And then fast forward in southern Texas, the big, huge logging trucks would go by. And I was always asking my dad, why are they cutting these trees that were just these enormous pine trees? And so that that instilled something in me that fast forward, uh, a friend of mine, Lang Burnett, a makeup artist that she we worked together in, uh, as model actresses. She was my makeup artist. She kept telling me about hemp in the 80s because I'm 50. And so I was like, this is back when I'm in my late 20s. And I'm like, what is hemp? And I didn't really know. And I looked it up and I said, oh, it's a cousin of marijuana. And then I just never thought about it. And then all of a sudden I become obsessed with it. And I'm sitting at my desk. And I, uh, I see that Woody plants these four hemp seeds. And I knew Woody socially from I was in White Men Can't Jump as a featured extra and we all got to hang out with him. He's, he celebrated his birthday while we were filming that summer, 90, 90, God, I can't even remember 94. And then, um, he, we also had the rap party for white men can't jump at his house in Malibu. So those were my experiences with him. And I just, you know, saw him from as an actor and he was the star. He was very kind and, and nice. But, and then my best friend opened a restaurant and he was a customer drinking his organic juices there at the Comfort Cafe. So fast forward, I come home to Texas, and I'm producing. I'm one week, and I see Woody, a news uh, AP wire, Woody Harrelson plants four hemp seeds and is arrested in Beattyville, Kentucky. <laughs> so I called Michael. I called this director, Michael Henning, that I have been directing, uh, producing for. And I said, Michael, here's our story. Here's our documentary. So off we went. We spent a week with Woody and a bunch of other people and a bunch of film people, everyone competing for his story. And we very humbly got got his story. He, he gave us the story and we, we launched off with Woody. And what most people don't know in Hempsters Plant the Seed, just Woody's story, that was a seven years from the planning, the arrest, the subsequent trial and acquittal. So for me, Woody's my hempster's hero. Bruce is a hempster's hero to me. I have many heroes. Dr. Bronner is an incredible man. He, I, I actually wasn't on the set when my crew filmed him planning on the DEA lawn with Mr. <laughs> Le, Mr. Steve Levine. We have seven activists we follow and 18 allies in that film. Wow. That film is it, becoming... It's becoming kind of an iconic uh, film now. I'm, I'm very, very proud of that film. Well, all of them are cult heroes. I interviewed David Bronner in the fall of last year, and one of my favorite quotes from him is, the next generation's going to look back at us and say, you people were nuts. <laughs> you 
as yeah. he was being, you know, thrown into the back of a police car, you know, in front Do- of the DEA Dr. building. Dr. Bronner has, um, with Dr. Bronner's brand, yeah, uh, we, through Hemp History Week, which has been going on uh, for 17 years and every, every year getting bigger and bigger, and Hempsters Plant the Seed always has a presence. We have screenings, and I just give $1,000, which is 100 DVDs across the U.S. and let people screen it for free and raise money and sell DVDs for donations. And I feel like that's the least I can do. I've never made a dime on that film. Uh, nobody has as of today. Uh, it's been owned by a distributor for six years. We're supposed to be- get it back from them. But for me, I consider it to be an educational environmental film. Bruce and I were mentioned together by PBS, which I feel is an, uh, it's like an Academy Award for me. Uh, PBS said that uh, Hempsters plant the seed, the top eight, the eight things that you never knew about industrial hemp. And we're number five and number three with uh, the Hempsters uh, cannabis car and Hempsters plant the seed. So, you know, I feel like I'm just a messenger and I'm I'm very humbled. I'm very humbled by it. Yeah. And clearly it's a labor of love. I mean, I've, I've, done documentaries myself and and never made a dime off of any of them and it really is you have to be passionate about your topic if you want to be successful as a documentary I'm in love with hemp I think hemp is hemp is like Bruce said and like you mentioned there it makes over 50,000 products every synthetic plastic petroleum-based wood-based concrete um Everything, paper, everything you see, you you can live in a house made of hemp, drive a hemp car, drink hemp milk, eat hemp foods. You can lay on hemp sheets. You can get warm in hemp clothes. You can wear, be covered head to toe in hemp. You can walk on hemp carpeting. Uh, the the insul- What most people don't realize about home building. So as soon as Hempsters Plant the Seed came out, before I met Bruce. I was obsessed with hemp home building and I met Greg Flaval, which is someone you need to have on your show uh, now that you're uh, having uh, hempsters on your show. And hemp- Greg Flaval owns a company. He's out of Australia, but he, he works all over the U.S. and travels the world building hemp houses. And three, the first three hemp houses in the world at that time, 2011, when Hempsters Plant the Seed came out, were in Asheville, North Carolina. And I took a crew, I actually hired a crew there. I flew up, I spent a weekend. These, these hemp houses, the hemp, when you mix it with lime and water, that's it. Yeah. It makes, it's 10 times stronger than steel, like Bruce's cannabis car. The walls will be standing 100 years later. It has no pesticide, no herbicide. It has, it literally almost, it, because it's, plant cellulose space and not gypsum like concrete it almost breathes like the house is breathing with the sun and the environment around it it's so clean and fresh the uh, 4,000 square foot house the one that's on top of town mountain I shot a video on it and sadly I had a tv series on the two builders my first one on hemp went right to discovery we were negotiating with discovery and um Sadly, the other builder, Dave Madera, who I um, dedicated the film to, um, he had an aggressive form of cancer and it took him and that was it. But now the film's making the rounds. It's called The Hemp House Build and um, it's pretty cool. And it's a pilot, 20 minutes. And um, this house is 4,000 square feet, one of them. And it the, the electric bill is less than $70 a month because the yeah. house keeps cool coolness of the winter and it, and it retains the heat of the sun it's like a miracle oh it is, is and, and the it's other thing about the hempcrete too is that it has a very um it has a very low burn rate so you can actually oh, put actually a blowtorch to retardant. it right exactly <laughs> i mean and and you put that in between the rafters of the house i'm looking into that because i'm actually doing a renovation on our 1950s house and adding oh, on to it cool. and i'm trying desperately to find out where I can get the hemp pulp and the lime, oh, you know, so, you yeah, I the, but I, I, I actually wrote about that house back in, uh, I wrote about it as they were still building it, um, back in 2010, and it really is phenomenal, so I've probably seen that, uh, clip that you've done, because I've probably well, watched it. I didn't it. release it, oh, I didn't, didn't release okay. it until a couple years ago, yeah. so it's out there, it's on Bruce and our, Bruce and I, 
uh, debut his YouTube channel finally Monday. We we got so caught up when Jen, uh, Leno came out. Bruce is getting about anywhere from ten to twenty articles in press a day, and we just it was a runaway Leno train. I'm calling it. We're so thankful for Jay Leno. Uh, I'm, Bruce is now was today submitted uh, to Rolling Stone, and for a cover story in a High Times magazine uh, has featured him in the car three times now and so we're uh had an incredible uh story on the ministry of hemp and the hemp and air but i want bruce now leno's opening doors he's, he's in the queue for conan o'brien uh we're going back on tour we've got a collaboration in the works uh, we're, we're starting to be able now to raise money quicker than we did last year and get our message out and uh yeah i'm excited for bruce and the cannabis car because People don't really care about hemp, Snowden, unless they're like us. They're environmentalists. They're in the green world, the marijuana world, the hemp world, or they, you know, or hippies, whatever. The, you talk about hemp in Texas, where I'm at, and people go, oh, that's just a nickname for marijuana. And then that's my segue to educate them. But this cannabis car that Bruce made is she is the star of everything oh and Thousands she's beautiful of too. Him. talk about a sexy sexy car i want one <laughs> i mean it's it's truly a beautiful piece of art honestly and you know people who are listening just google hempsters or google renew uh sports cars and you'll find it i mean it's it's absolutely one of the prettiest cars I've seen in recent history altogether. I mean, kudos to you, Bruce. Thank you, Snowden. Yeah. Talk about your design. I want Bruce to tell you what, who inspired him. Bruce, tell your inspiration story. Well, um, <clears throat> Snowden touched on it a little, little earlier. It, I was going to, I was out to design my own sports car and I, there are a whole bunch of really great-looking cars back from the 50s and 60s um, that, I, that I liked. And I looked at about a, a dozen different ones and took design cues from different ones. And it was, it was just studying the various different um, design aspects of some of the prettier cars in the world. And uh, somebody told me about uh, Henry Ford's 1941 um, soybean hemp car. And so I investigated and... Uh, you know, thought, wow, it was made out of plant material for the most part, right? Not 100%. You can't make an engine an engine out of plant material. No, of course. Um, and then it was also run on plant scraps. You know, it was basically agricultural waste. Um, must be green. And so I basically did the calculations and and uh, um, and tried to vet it with some people. I talked to some folks at UCLA and it came out and it turned out, yeah, it was really green and, and and one of the things that most people don't think about when they go out to get a really green automobile is how much co2 is generated by manufacturing an automobile um they just assume that if it doesn't have a tailpipe it must be green well it turns out that everything that we make stuff out of has some sort of a carbon footprint some are worse than than, than others and if you want to design a car that is green and uh, you, you want to do something really generally besides just fig figuring out what it, how it's propelled. You also want to take a look at how it's built. And uh, you probably want to avoid really, 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 really um, carbon-intensive materials like aluminum and uh, lithium-ion batteries. Um, so uh, aluminum is one of the, is one of the uh, most carbon-intensive materials you can use. Uh, carbon fiber is, off, is also... A, um, right up there, right? I mean, there aren't, there aren't too many materials that are basically worse for the environment because it just takes so much energy to manufacture them and mine them and all this kind of stuff. So it just made sense, you know, if you make it out of plant material, um, then you're actually doing the same thing as if you're making a home like, like you guys were just talking about, right? When you take plant material like hemp and you turn it into a durable good like a home or a car, then you're taking CO2 out of the atmosphere. You're actually sequestering CO2 out of the atmosphere for an extended period of time. So um, that's kind of just the, where it went to. Um, and so just 
try to decide, let's just make everything we possibly can from plant material. And the more I looked at it, uh, found that hemp was the best thing to use. It was, uh, um, hemp grows faster than just about any other plant in the world. That's probably why they call cannabis weed, I guess. It grows like a weed. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and it makes a really wonderful woven material. I mean, just in, incredibly strong. So what a lot of people have done, a lot of the high-end, uh, car companies have done, they've made, um, bodies out of things like carbon fiber and that's a woven material, right? Really, really strong latitudinal and long, longitudinal, um, uh, strength built into it. So I, I use the same thing. I use woven hemp and, uh, Voila! <laughs> it was hard. It was it was hard to dent, and it was fun getting uh, getting Jay to to beat on the car uh, when I showed it to him. I kind of surprised him. <laughs> I hit it as hard as I could. I mean, as hard as I could. I almost broke my hand. And then I turned to Jay and I go like, "Hey, Jay, you want to try?" And he goes, "Yeah, okay." So he hits it. it goes boom, 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 and then perfect Jay Leno. I mean, perfect Jay he stands up and goes, "Okay, it should start now." <laughs> <I'm going> like, <laughs> He was so he was so great. I just I just love him. He was so much fun. So anyway, that's that's the story behind the design of the car. Um, and since then, what I've done is I've act- I actually went out and I tried to find somebody that was making hemp fuel. You know, like like Henry Ford made. Now what he made out of the scraps, like the herd um, and the and the bast. Okay, the inner core and the and the and the outer outer layer and the, the leaves and the stalks, etc. He used, just used whatever was there, was left over from, from his field, and he created what's, what's called cellulosic ethanol. And we all know what ethanol is, and, but his was pure ethanol, 100%, which is an alcohol. And he ran that, that's what he ran his 1941 Ford on, was pure alcohol made from his hemp fields. And uh, I couldn't find anybody that was producing that. Um, so I ended up having to get a, not, a different type. Of, that's that's considered a second generation biofuel, by the way, um, because it's made basically. There's no carbon debt associated with that because it's made basically out of garbage or right. what's called agricultural residue. Um, so it doesn't have a carbon debt, right? Because you. So I, I went out and I found another second generation biofuel made from garbage as well made from corn stover had to import it all the way from china right wow because it's very hard to get this stuff because you know the oil companies want to sell oil right Mm -hmm. and so they they all know how to make this stuff right and so there are other places in the country uh, that are making second generation biofuels and so i ran that i remember diana was there i had uh I, i was running the car on that fuel when we went to the farm aid and uh it was it was a lot of fun to drive the car. It was pretty peppy, um, and so at that point the you car liked it. liked the hemp. Yeah, I liked the hemp. Uh, well, it wasn't hemp, but it was it was a it was a biofuel very similar to what Henry Ford. So it basically accomplished the same thing that Henry Ford did in 1941 uh, by making making cars as much as I could from from plants and then running it on plant material. So at that point, it may have been one of the greenest cars in the world when it's running on that fuel. Um, and I thought, wow, we can never, we can never top this. This is it. Boom. Okay, uh, I can leave now. I can leave the planet. I've done what Henry, I've done what Henry Ford did. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought it was, that was it. Hey, piece de resistance. And uh, <laughs> then I'm doing some more research and finding out. Oh, we can do a lot better. Yeah. We can actually go carbon negative. Our cars, the ones we're driving right now, could actually mitigate climate crisis if we were burning third generation biofuels yeah all of our cars that we're running right now um there there is such technology it's well understood you can actually it's it's understood how to make gasoline chemically identical to petroleum gasoline make it out of these agricultural residues these scraps this garbage they can make gasoline through a, a process called by pyrolysis where they heat up the material slowly in an oxygen free environment it gives off something called farmer's gas or sim gas that goes that becomes t- 
turns into methanol, and then through a catalytic process, they can turn that into gasoline. Chemically identical. But on the other side, what comes out of the other side is a byproduct, which is almost pure carbon. It's called biochar. It's effectively charcoal. And what they're doing right now is they're experimenting with this by plowing it back into soils and even some um, not necessarily really great soils to improve the soils, etc. Um, and it actually, they, they say, can, it can help reduce the amount of fertilizer and water by as much yeah, as 40%. Brilliant. Yeah, it, it's and, true. And it's, yeah. it's wild. So you're taking, you're taking carbon and you're putting it right back into the earth, right? And for every ton of biomass that they use to make 50 to 75 gallons of gasoline, it's going to yield a third of a ton of this biochar, which is, all, which is about 85% pure uh, uh, carbon. And that carbon, where did it come from? Right out of the atmosphere. So if you run a car, any of the cars, any of these internal combustion cars that we have on the road right now, right? There's like a billion of them in the, in the world. If you run one of these things on that fuel for its a regular life cycle of about 15 years or about 227,200 miles, according to, uh, uh, well, but I won't go into that. But if, if you do that, you're actually going to put about 120 metric tons of carbon back into uh, and into the soil. Yeah. You're, you're going to sequester. And right now, the cars that we drive, because we're burning the wrong kind of fuel, will either, um, be, depending upon whose study you look at, will either generate anywhere from 40 to 80 metric tons of That's incredible. Uh, CO2. Yeah. So it's a huge difference, spanning all the way down to negative 120. Um, our cars could be the, the most important thing we have in the United States to, to, to reverse climate change or at least mitigate climate change. And nobody's talking about this. Um, yeah, well, we are now, and I, <laughs> I, I want to keep this conversation going over time because, and, and I'd like to find, I'd like to, you know, come back, circle back to both of you and... <laughs> Do another show even more related to the carbon neutral aspects or the carbon negative aspects of hemp. There was a really interesting fact that I read um, that each each car would basically demand about 10 to 20 pounds of fiber. And if you figure 13 million cars produced annually, there's a potential market for 260 million pounds of fiber annually in North America. And when you think about the, the potential of that to really benefit American farmers, particularly, I mean, that's a, that's a huge upside. And then also, if car manufacturers wanted to really save money and become even more profitable, using hemp fiber to make the bodies at like, you know, five to 30 cents a pound or whatever, compared to the plastic, which is like 20 to 60 cents, I mean, imagine the kind of savings and the kind of economic boom that could take to the auto industry, too. I mean, it just, it's endless, it seems. It is. It's, and, you know, it's just a con the, the long-running large corporations that have kept it strangled. And it, I love the, one of the quotes. I love y'all's website. And I really love your Margaret Mead quote. Uh, never doubting that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can, can change, change the, the world. Thing that ever has is freaking brilliant. It's my favorite quote of hers, and it is on your website for the Cannabis Reporter. You guys rock. Thank you. Really oh, that warms my heart. Well, you both do too, and I'm so grateful to have had this time with you today because, um, you know, I, and I, like I said, I'd love to have you back on, um, I'd love sometime in the, I know Bruce. yeah, in the near future. Um, I, to be honest with you, I was going to try to surprise you today and have Jay call in. I know that he's in production and, and our phone rang once and we couldn't hear anything. So I don't know if he tried or not, but anyway, oh, it's, I, uh, <laughs> I know, I know, but maybe we can try to do this again and have him come on and advocate uh, with you for this, this yes, car Jay, and for the films. I got to tell you something really quick. Cause you said that about Jay. Here's my experience with Jay flying out, seeing Bruce on there. Like I just stood a, uh, in the craft service tent and I was like I nearly cried a couple of times 
Uh, <laughs> it's going to make me cry right now because Jay did something for Bruce um, in this message that no one's ever done. So he's almost at one million views because of Jay Leno. Jay Leno is incredible. Yeah. I know, and that was an incredible show, and, you know, I'm so happy for your success. I mean, I, I really am a huge fan of both of you, and I'm looking forward to doing this again, but I'm getting the signal from our producer, Ed, that it is time to wrap it up, so stay with me. I'll come back and say goodbye, but uh, right at the moment, it's time to say goodbye for the show, and... I'd personally like to thank my guests, Diana Oliver and Bruce Dietzen, for sharing their insights and knowledge with us today. If you want to learn more about hempsters and the Renew Sports Car, visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com. Click Broadcast to find today's episode, and I'll post bios and more information with links to the websites and all of that there. Oh, and we have a lot of people to thank. First, I'd like to express our gratitude for our radio sponsors, HempMeds.com and HealthTerra. We could not be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank our producer, Ed, and the team here at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine every single week. Compassionate Certifications and XRQK Radio Network for distributing our shows. To Eric Godall for our beautiful theme song, Evergreen. And to Dr. Donner for our Medical Marijuana Minute update. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening around the nation. Join us next week. We're going to be continuing this conversation on hemp. And we have U.S. Congressman James Comer together with a couple of innovators in the hemp industry who are growing hemp now in Kentucky. So we have a lot to share next week. Tune in. Same time, same place for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and until we meet again, stay safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Are you getting enough CBD each day? Hemp Meds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. Hemp Meds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with HealthTerra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids, by the way. You can eliminate doctor office visits with 24-7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. HealthTerra.com.